Hello, and welcome to the Deep and Durable Learning Podcast. This is the show for anyone who wants to learn how to think. Your brain was designed to think deeply, but thinking often loses out in the battle for educational efficiency. Real thinking gets pushed to the margins and eventually abandoned in far too many cases. I know there are many, including some educators, who don't believe that thinking can be taught. My students in my nearly 45 years in higher education, however, regularly told me on course evaluations that I taught them how to think. I believe I can help you with my proven strategies. This season, I'm going to help you purposefully develop what I call learner's mind. In some ways, learner's mind starts with the mind you had as a young child when the world was full of wonders and possibilities. Every day held the potential for adventure. You might travel to your adventure, but just as likely, your yard or your neighborhood had loads of possible adventures. When my five kids were young, the little creek that bisects our backyard was ripe with adventures. Not infrequently, they fell into it, by accident, of course, as they pursued critters. They enacted heroic battles on the bridge. They used it as a water hazard for their games. You get the idea. I suspect some version of that was you as well in your youthful past. To start to develop learner's mind, let's focus today on the simple basic of attention. Attention is the first manifestation of curiosity. Curiosity is the fundamental starting point for all learning. It is the foundational C, capital C, of the seven C's of cognition that I explained in last season's podcast. If you haven't heard of the seven C's, it would be helpful to assimilate them and that overview of learning that I did last season. It'll be foundational for developing learner's mind as we walk together through this season. Let's take a deeper dive into curiosity. To be curious is to be humble. It's to admit that I don't know everything, or more basically, that I don't know much compared with all there is to know. Adults very often brush off opportunities to learn because they assume they already know, or they view the potential gain in knowledge as minimal and not worth the interruption. Adults tend to be characterized by two related E's, capital E's, efficiency and exploitation. Let's talk about efficiency, and we'll leave exploitation for the next podcast. Efficiency usually emphasizes time management. Commendable as the efficiency orientation may sometimes be, 
it eliminates the possibility of worlds that are yet unexplored. Shakespeare has Hamlet invites an openness to the possibilities of the mind-altering and life-altering that lie beyond our accumulated experience. Shakespeare has Hamlet saying this, And therefore, as a stranger, give it welcome. There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. We need to welcome strangers, and especially ideas that are strangers that we've never met. We need to recognize that a lifetime only allows encounters with a small subset of what there is to know. Learner's mind enables us to maximize learning, and that's the best kind of efficiency. Young children soak up the world around them. Small kids are into another E, not efficiency. All parents know that. Small kids are into exploration. And the very idea reeks of inefficiency. How long are we going to explore? Where are we going to explore? What are we looking for? These are adult questions based on the efficiency paradigm. And perhaps these have played out in your mind as you've taken a young child around the block for a walk, for instance, which seems to take an incredibly long period of time compared to the rate at which an unaccompanied adult could make the circuit. Now, I'm not suggesting that you totally abandon your quest for efficiency and just jump headfirst into unlimited exploration. It's not an either-or. Efficiency alone is, however, horribly limiting. Exploration alone is terribly inefficient. I'm not suggesting that we be comfortable with being easily distracted. We've already got too much distraction in our lives, and the illusion of multitasking keeps us from thinking deeply about anything. What I am after is toggling purposefully between the openness that is the right strategy and the deep thinking that would follow that openness. We've all heard the admonition to stop and smell the roses. Perhaps that seems a bit naive. Perhaps even a tad self-indulgent when there's so much that needs to be done. Step one is to be paying enough attention that you recognize there are roses. You know, you can choose where to direct your attention. The default for most of us, myself included, is for our intellectual inertia to keep us moving past the roses. We're fully caught up in what has already grabbed us today, which is typically left over from yesterday. And frankly, this has rightly been called the tyranny of the urgent. My wife and I were recently on a vacation in Scotland. 
while we were in a small coastal village, she called out, Look at those roses! Well, there they were, dozens of coral-colored roses, thriving outside a small public library. I'd walk right by them on my quest to cover territory. We periodically recognize that we need to escape the tyranny of the urgent, and we resolve to do so by taking a vacation. The most common vacation destinations are the beach and the mountains. Both involve uh, an opportunity to be quieted by something much larger than us, the immensity of the ocean or the majesty of the mountains, can help to put our concerns into perspective. Montana is called Big Sky Country. The opportunity to explore the inky night sky in Montana without the light pollution of cities is indeed extraordinary. Unfortunately, it's not unusual to return from a vacation needing a vacation. How does that happen? It happens because we missed our opportunity to be quieted, and we missed it due to all the activities we tried to schedule into the week or two of a vacation. We intended to be still, but we reverted to our default setting of efficiency. We may have achieved our goal of going places and doing things, but We missed our opportunity for contemplative solitude and really paying attention because doing so wasn't efficient. This happens in relationships as well. Too often, we aren't really listening to our spouse or our children. We hear their words, but we don't really pay attention attention to them. At times, that's so obvious that the other person may call us out with something like, are you listening to me? Hearing the words and giving them our attention are two very different things. Paying attention is necessary for healthy relationships. We all need to be heard. We need to be seen, and we need to be responded to. There is a parallel with the physical world. From the standpoint of size, humans are roughly the middle of a continuum that stretches out to the limits of our knowledge of space, recently enlarged by the James Webb Space Telescope, and in the other direction, to the microscopic and nanoscopic worlds that ultimately extend beyond atoms to elementary particles and perhaps beyond. To seriously contemplate space as one opportunity for learning is to face its immensity and our seeming insignificance. I say seeming insignificance. The psalmist in Psalm 8 
provides the perspective adjustment in these words from the New American Standard Version. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you think of him, and a son of man that you are concerned about him? Notice, when I consider, to consider is not less than paying attention to. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you've set in place, and it naturally brings about a question, what is man that you think of him, and a son of man that you're concerned about him, in light of this vast universe of which I'm feeling like an insignificant speck. Well, the immensity of the universe does not render humans insignificant. We aren't inconsequential for the very reason that God thinks about us, because we are the focus of God's concern. Simply put, God says we have his attention. It follows that we should reciprocate. We should pay attention. We should consider the handiwork of God, the psalmist says. Considering is the entry point. It is paying attention. We need perhaps another perspective adjustment that's implied in what I've just said, and that is that the physical universe is communication. That's right, not just stuff, it is communication. God didn't have to communicate, but he is a communicating being. He initiates communication. He communicates most basically through the physical universe. The astounding order and pattern of the universe are unavoidable. Everywhere, on every level, the heavens are telling the glory of God. Psalm 19 captures it in these words in the New American Standard Version. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There's no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Their sound has gone out into all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. Day to day and night to night, the order and pattern, the predictability, the minute predictability, we could say, about a pattern like sunrise and sunset that's recorded in the, the weather app that I consult every day. That order and pattern, although it isn't rendered in words, in typical speech, with a voice, nonetheless, it does 
say something. The sound of that communication of intentional order and predictability and regularity and pattern, in fact, has gone out around the world and is not limited by human language. It's universal communication. God communicates universally and with powerful clarity through the things that he has made. Are we paying attention? Attention is the gift we give to nurture relationships. And in the process of communicating, of paying attention, we find that we grow. God is communicating through his world. Don't settle for mere efficiency in managing the small slice that you already know. Cultivate a willingness to go against the flow. Explore and pay attention. Attention is the first component of curiosity. Perception is the second. Perception is only possible if we give our attention to reality. I'll develop perception in the next podcast. But as kind of a taste of where we're headed, Elizabeth Barrett Browning memorably captured the relationship of attention and perception in these well-known lines. Earth's crammed with heaven, and every common bush afire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit round it and pluck blackberries. Join me in two weeks to take the next step in developing the dispositions that make up learner's mind. If you'd like to enrich your study of attention or follow up on my sources for today, please go to my blog post at deepanddurable.com. That's deepanddurable.com. <laughs>